Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woo-hoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! Woo-hoo! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! <laughs> Welcome to Donaldson Piles here. This is Tom Donaldson with Coco Konski. Uh, tonight we got a kind of a special program, and kind of some program notes will be kind of keep eyes and ears open. Uh, Tuesday's show is still up in the air. Uh, what we may or may not do. Uh, Wednesday, we're looking at a Thanksgiving program. Um, so uh, we have, you know, so we're going to be doing that next Wednesday. So just keep tabs of what's going down on our show. And uh, I am Tom Donaldson, I'm the chairman of America's PAC. Uh, America, I'm also a research associate, project director for America's Majority Foundation. I am also the author of eight great books, none of which are bestsellers. But they all should be, including Boxing in the Shadows, uh, one of the premier books on the history of black fighters in the in, over the past century, as well as The Rise of National Populism and Democratic Socialism, which is available through Amazon.com, PostField.com, and other fine uh, online services for goodbye books. And Coco. Hey guys, what's going on? Um, my name's Coco. I'm a writer. Um, I work um, as a writer, and I work in marketing as well. And I'm looking forward to today's show. Yeah, well, today's show is gonna be, we're going to do something a little bit different. Now we were going to have uh, Cece Harrison on the show, Wild at Heart which, by the way, is available Saturday 11 to 1 a.m. on the air, on the Pro. And, by the mm-hmm. way, if you want to call in tonight, uh, 646-929-0130, we are going to be talking about mental health uh, tonight. And what I wanted to kind of – you know, I do because, I, like I say, you know, the number of people who suffer from mental, from depression, uh, anxiety, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, it's, you know, it's, right. well, like I say, it's it's in the tens of millions. It's far greater than people think it is. Uh, it is, and uh, we'll, and we'll get yeah, we'll get those numbers. So we'll try to get those numbers of the number of patients being treated. So we will. But I wanted to kind of, we wanted to kind of do this a little different. Well, like I say, we work, you know, unfortunately, Cece had a family emergency. And right. So she regrets not being able to join us. That's uh, fine. So it's, it's a show yeah. that, I mean, it's something that we can basically do kind of on our own, you know? Um, yeah. So let me start I, with this. So because, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go. I got no, the question I'm going to ask you. The question I was going to ask you is on border, 
I know you have basically mentioned in the past on this show borderline personality disorder. Right. Uh, that's, uh, first of all, number one, what is it? I mean, somebody said to you how to describe borderline personality disorder. Okay. What would you tell them? So the the actual, like, medical term is basically, like, um, dramatic fluctuations in mood, self-image, and behavior. Um if I were, if someone were to just come up to me and ask me, Hey, um, what is borderline? I would say that it's, you have more, I don't want to say like you're more sensitive because it's basically you have a higher emotions than most people. Like your emotions are elevated like 10 times what the normal person will have mm-hmm. that's that's how I would put it like so and this is like one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it today is, you know with pandemics and you know quarantining like if you have like a mental illness or you have some type of personality disorder like even if you're prone to getting depressed it could really kind of like put you kind of in overdrive as far as like you know when you're when you're stuck twenty four seven in the same place, um, but like I said, if someone there, there's a huge difference between someone depressed, someone with bipolar, I mean, and by the way, there's like two different types of bipolar, but there's also different types of borderline. There is the borderline, where you know you're more able to hide your emotions i mean you still feel the same thing as anybody with borderline but you may be a little better at hiding it whereas someone like like me who has borderline like okay like i'm gonna i'm gonna explain this in a chart way so they're the highest level is number 10 um people with depression um usually have low moods but that's not the case with borderline at all. Like when you're, when a, when a regular person is like, I mean, everybody gets depressed. That's just a fact. But if, if you don't have like an actual personality disorder and you're just depressed, you're always, you're always going to have that low point, low mood. Whereas someone who's bipolar, there, you can have where you are just high and you're manic and, and not necessarily like manic being bad, just, just like an intense, like happy feeling. And then something yeah. can happen. And then those next, the next four months, you're just in a low where you can't dig yourself out. Whereas borderline, you know, it's kind of a flow chart. So it kind of, it goes a little up and it goes a little down, but they're basically almost at the same line. Um, so you could be like at 9 a.m. You can wake up and you can be happy or you, you can just be really content. And then 12 o'clock something happens. Like, I, I don't know, like, for example, if someone said something to you or their tone of voice, well, then you can be in a really numb, pissy mood, really upset, you know, like kind of raging for like maybe like 40 minutes. And then after those 40 minutes, you it's like it's like as if it never happened how I would describe borderline. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me, yeah, let me ask you some questions here on this particular 
because, okay, I'm going to look at it. Okay, here are some of the signs and symptoms uh, identified by the Mayo Clinic. Uh, intense fear of abandonment, uh, going to extreme measures to avoid real or imagined separations, uh, patterns of unstable, intense relationships. Again, you just say rapid change in self-identity, self-image. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, impulsive, risky behavior. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, but, like, I mean, I think that's kind of, yeah. like, everybody. I think everybody eventually, like, kind of, like, partakes in that, I, I think. You know, um, I know I did. But that there, it's the same thing with people bipolar. Like, they have that exact same, like, risky behavior. But it's, like, what is risky behavior? You know, I mean... Yeah. For me, now you, yeah. Now, do would you now would you have? I mean, have you yourself experienced wide or mood swings? Uh, maybe yeah. Maybe uh, you started. I mean, yeah, the mood swings are there. You know, they're definitely there. Um, and but I also think it's really interesting because yeah. um, I was looking through a list. Of people and um, famous people that actually had borderline, and three people came out um, that really caught my eye. Actually, one of them being a character. So this was this is not really a person that existed, but it was based on Tennessee Williams, a streetcar named Desire, Blanche Dubois. She is a classic mm-hmm. borderline. So if you can't understand it, but you know, like, who I'm talking about, and you can kind of resonate with them, um, Blanche Dubois from A Streetcar Named Desire, she absolutely had borderline. Marilyn Monroe, you know, back then, they they didn't know what to call it. There wasn't, you know, this is this didn't really, I mean, and even till this day, some people don't even think this is a real diagnosis, by the way. Um but she she definitely had borderline. Um, one of them, uh, Friday Night Live, Pete Davidson, actually has come out and stated, you know, how he struggles with his borderline personality. Yeah. Well, hold on to that thought right there. We'll get right back. This is Tom Donaldson, Coco Gonski, here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network with a special program on mental health uh, tonight. This is Dr. Larry Fidoa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. I am called the philosopher of current events, an independent, open-minded conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Also, don't forget the Bachelor News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Bachelor. This show discusses issue, race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, sports that affects brown, black, and poor people negatively. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6, a, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on blocktalkradio.com slash L.A. Bachelor. And the rebroadcast every day at A&M 
and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the BastardNews.Airtime.Pro. If you're interested in having your own show or advertising, email us at labachelor at gmail.com. And don't forget our show on the BastardNews.Airtime.Pro can be heard every day, 3 a.m., 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, or uh, midnight to Pacific, 7 a.m. Uh, so you get two chances every day, plus here Tuesday and Wednesday on the Block Talk Radio Network uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So many chances to see this, to listen to this great show. Uh, and also, if you want to call in today, uh, 646-929-0130. 646-929-0130. All right. Okay, let's go back. Okay. Let me ask you this question. First of all, how were you diagnosed? Um, well, for the longest time, they actually thought I was bipolar. So, um, so yeah, I was I, – I was around like 24 when mm-hmm. when I uh, when I got diagnosed, which was like actually I found out that's actually the normal age most people get diagnosed. And also, like I suffered from ADHD as a child, um, and I found out that some people who were diagnosed very early on with ADHD actually tend to be borderline as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what about, okay. Uh, what was this? I mean, let's say, you know, why did they distinguish that between bipolar? What was that key element that convinced a doctor? Yeah. Yeah. This is well, bipolar. You know, this is my mood. Never lasted. I never had these highs that were continuous for like, you yeah. know, um, months. And that's one of the things with bipolar. Um, is like you have basically these manic episodes. Um, you know, some people have hypomania, which is basically like a less severe type of um, manic. Um, and like during like these periods of like when you're depressed, you know, it, it gets very bad. And so does borderline, but it won't, it won't last like months. Like, I'm not going to be depressed for months. Um, they're very similar. They're very similar. Um, basically, your onset for diagnose, night diagnosis is around 25 years old, and I was 24. Um, you know, attention deficit, you know, different personality disorders, schizophrenia. Um, and the difference, major difference, actually, is that bipolar can be treated. Whereas um, borderline, it's just basically DBT, which I will get into later, which is called dialectic behavioral therapy. So, yes, you can be on medication that will maybe, like, lessen the symptoms. Um, Polar, you have to take medicine. Borderline, I mean, it's a good thing to do it, but it's not required. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. What are some of the therapies you've been on for bipolar? I know. Um, well, like I was going to get into um, DBT, okay. which is called. So I'll go ahead and go into, yeah, let's go ahead and go into that now. Go ahead. Yeah, let's go into that. Um, 
so di- it's called dialectic behavior therapy, and it was created um, based to deal with those uh, that have borderline personality. Um, it can basically be used to treat mood disorders um, if you're feeling suicidal. Um, and what it does, it's really interesting because when I when I first learned about it, I was like, oh my god, this, this sounds really stupid, but it it really um, it would really help. So basically, they break down why are you feeling this way, and you know, writing journaling is the number one thing. Like every therapist will tell you to do, but it's incredibly more important. I feel like if you have borderline, because a lot of the the theories in DBT um, is like for a person who is emotionally sensitive, they're going to develop patterns of emotion. And so through like these work steps, you know, you go through validation, acceptance, behavior change, dialectics. Um, and a lot of people um, that have like these skills, you know, mindfulness, that's like the number one thing is like, I notice a lot, especially of ADHD, you know, you're not going to be mindful of your surroundings. And what DVD teaches is mindfulness, you know, distress tolerance, um, regulating your own emotions so you don't have an episode. So that that, that has been incredibly helpful. Um, it's also really good for um, anxiety, by the way. If you suffer from anxiety, DBT is amazing for that. Um and it's a to- it's an effective treatment. So that's the difference between bipolar one, bipolar two, and borderline is that when you have bipolar, you need to be on medication. Whereas you know if if you don't have if you just have borderline, um, you basically do DBT, which is just therapy. Okay, so basically just therapy and and what they're. So I guess my question. Okay, so it deals with the mood. You do so. You keep tabs. So when you do your journaling, is that a main way of, uh, you know, yeah, detailing I mean, so your mood? Yeah. When I say journaling, it's um, it's not like a dear diary type journal. It is a you get kind of like a workbook with you. Get, you guys can actually get this on Amazon. It's like sixteen bucks or whatever. But it's a it's a workbook called Di- Dialectic Therapy Behavior. Um, workbook and it's like 300 pages (laughs) it's a really big workbook and what it is is that it helps you go through these steps and you know if you're in a certain situation where you feel like a rage coming on you know it goes through you like what are the steps you can do so you don't have this like you know being mindfully aware again mindfulness is like they go over that a lot. That's why if I say that a lot, it's because they go over it a lot. Um, you know, just being aware of your surroundings. You know, um, a lot of people with ADHD, we're not aware of our surroundings. So it makes it really hard for us to concentrate. And that's kind of where the mindfulness, uh, mindfulness um, appears. And, you know, you sit down or you just, you look at a certain, like, let's say, like, if you guys are sitting down right now, you're going to look around you and like right now I'm looking at my, my computer, you know, I'm noticing things about my computer. Um, 
and you really just have to do that with everyday life. They, they basically incorporate that in everyday life. So you're basically more mindfully aware of things. Well, I mean, so when you say mindfully, because obviously ADHD, you know, it's an attention, it's that, you know, keeping your attention focused. Maybe that's what, would this be a way to also detail to you that a, you know, a, this situation, when this situation occurs, you know, this is what happens. You know, if you're in a certain situation, is there a pattern that you can sit back and say, okay, if this behavior, or here's a pattern. If this happens, or these things happen, this is the tend to be the reaction. Yeah, is that? Is, could you see something like that? Well, as far as like what, like you're if you're. If well, let me answer. Yeah, let, let me put it this way. Let's say, for example, uh, in your journals, uh, getting ready for a radio show causes you anxiety. Okay. Is there a pattern? No, see, and, that doesn't cause anxiety. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> so, what I'm trying to yeah. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that's what exact. But let's say getting ready for like the radio show. Uh, is there right. a, like a certain feeling that's consistent with that versus let's say being under pressure for a deadline with your new with a job or with a writing assignment? Uh, you, know, it, you know, can you see a pattern? Okay, if I'm under stress, you know, this is what tends to happen. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying, but um, for me, like, my triggers are completely different. They have, it's nothing work-related. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, sometimes, like, we, we don't even know our own triggers. I think that's, that's like, yeah. the really accurate statement is that, you know, what? yeah, maybe one day I'm really nervous about work, and then I'll start to go to work, and then I'll be fine, you know, uh, I think it really depends on the situation. Like, it's not always going to be, like, stressful or, like, work-related. You know, many yeah. times it's it's just me trying to, like, force myself to, like, clean up after myself. Like, that's a trigger. Um, you know, you, you, I can re- – I don't think, like, I really can identify them just because, you know, it could be many different things that trigger me. And mm-hmm. only at that moment do I know about them. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, in other words, there's no consistent pattern, per se. No. Well, that's the thing. It's yeah. never a consistent pattern with me. It's never, sure. you know, especially especially with borderline, I, I've never, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't say it's a consistent pattern. Mm-hmm. All right, here's some data here. Uh and just kind of give people an idea about what one out of every four Americans, pretty much, will suffer from some di- diagnosable mental or disorder in a given year. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, more people suffer from more than one mental disorder at a given time. Many people, not many people, suffer not just but okay, depressive illness may coexist with substance abuse and and anxiety. But one out of every ten. Americans are going to have a major depression, bipolar, or or bipolar each year. Uh, interesting. Here's the interesting statistics here. Well, Women I mean, are twice as light. About yeah. 3 million people. Um, there are more than 3 million cases per year with borderline. Yeah. So it's, well, very, it's a very common mental illness. Yeah. So, exactly. Well, here's the thing. Women are twice as likely to suffer from depression, 
men and women are equally to develop bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can be developed, but you made the statement borderline disorder. You, you found it in your, like I say, mid-20s. Uh, you know, again, you know, statistically speaking of the day from Hopkins, John Hopkins Medicine, uh, they're saying on the average age is on the onset is mid-20s. Polar, now bipolar is about less than 3 about 2.5%. And the, again, the first manic episode. So a lot of this, kind of like you, is people find this or they're being diagnosed in their early 20s. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's like it won't show up. It's like, let's say, you know, it won't show up until you're at least in your mid-20s. Yeah. That's, that's this, one of yeah. the yeah, this is Tom Bowser with Coco Koska here talking about mental health. Um, we'll be right back on the Bachelor News Radio Network on the Donaldson Files. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome back to the Donaldson Files and, uh, with Coco Koski here tonight. We're talking mental health. And just to um, just remind everybody on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, you can listen to this show 3 a.m., 10 a.m. every day, midnight to 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, feel free to call in tonight at 646-929-0130. Again, that number is 646 646- Nine two nine zero one three zero. Or if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to. If you're on Twitter right now, you can tweet me at the Donaldson Files uh, with any other questions or comments if you want. Again, uh, at the Donaldson Files on Twitter. Okay, uh, let me. Well, here's a. I'm going to kind of give a little story here because I was diagnosed with depression probably my late forties, and. Right. My story was, you know, it was one of those deals where, you know, I was going through stress, you know, you know, thinking about, you know, retiring, thinking about moving on. And, and I can always remember, it was like one week. You know, I, it, I watched the Super Bowl. It was like one of the most exciting games. And you have your mode where you just sit back and you're like, oh, whatever. I mean, I was like, wow. I mean, exciting game, and I'm like, wow, or whatever. And what really yeah. convinced me, what convinced me was, you know, it was like I was, you know, I, you know, took some time during the work day, go over lunch, worked out real quick, came back out, and I just felt like, I just felt like, God, this, because normally when you work out, you feel great, you know, you feel like the endorphins growing, and I just, <laughs> it was like, you know, I just felt like, God, I'm just going to go home. I just did not have any desire to do anything. Called my doctor up and I said, you know, here's what's going on. 
I, you know, you know, actually, I, being in the pharmaceutical business because we, for years, I sold antidepressants. I sold bupropion, uh, and right. And so, so I had a pretty good idea of what was I thought was happening. So I went to my doctor, and that's basically what he did. And that was, you know, and again, it was that was how he got diagnosed with me. It was more of, oh, I mean, when that when I came out of that workout, and I was thinking, you know, I just feel like going home and just shutting everything down. Yeah, I never felt like that before. Uh, right. And and you know, and, you know, God kind of gave me some aspects, you know, on depression here. So maybe the suicide, because one of the aspects here of depression, you know, is suicide. Uh, and people, you know, diagnose most commonly depressive disorder. Oh, yeah. Here's some statistics. Here's some statistics. Here, four times as many men as women commit suicide. I should say commit what suicide. I but interesting, interesting. What I thought interesting though is I yeah. know more pe- more men who are bipolar than I know women who are bipolar. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because they, they're saying, in effect, that men and women are equal and bipolar, but men are more, women are more likely to suffer from depression. But here's an interesting stat, and I want you to come in, because it's that four times as many men actually commit suicide, but women attempt suicide more often than men. This is from John. Hunter. Oh yeah, I was, so what, sui- I was suicidal. I was suicidal all through my teens to like you know maybe like a couple years ago. I mean, I still feel like that sometimes like that, but that's borderline. Like that's just something that's like it's like obviously I'm not going to kill myself, but it's the feeling of wanting to. And it's not mm-hmm. like some like desperate you know attention. Like it's it's just really what we feel. Like we really feel sometimes that we're better off dead. I mean that's just like facts. And I think. One of my favorite people in the world right now, Pete Davidson from, you know, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And I I heard him talk about his borderline. I mean, his father died in 9-11. You know, he, you know, suffered with, like, drug addiction. And um, one of the things, you know, that his therapist told him, or psychiatrist at the time, was, like, he either had bipolar or borderline. They couldn't figure it out. And then something he had he had an episode like a really bad episode after his uh, breakup of ariana grande and then that's when they diagnosed him with borderline and i was listening to him speak and i was like holy crap like i understood every single thing he has ever went through because it's basically what i went through um in my in my early mm-hmm. 20s and he, he summed it up perfectly. It's like, yeah, like we feel like, you know, we want to die every day, but it's not like we're not going to do it. It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. And like people with borderline, you're going to have like 10 or 20 times more of an emotion than someone that does not have that. So they'll never understand what it's like. They never will because it's such a high, it's like a roller coaster almost, but you know, at the same time, it, you don't really, you're never really going to feel normal, I guess, but I don't know what normal feels like. So, um, but that's why it's super important to continue with therapy. That's why it's so important mm-hmm. with that, because without it, like, uh, it, like, yeah, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know how yeah. to begin. Yeah. Well, here's some interesting, here's again, so this is coming from the uh, CDC. Okay, suicide 
between 18, between let's say 15 to 24 is like the number two cause of death uh, in that age. Uh, here's some you know, statistics just to give you kind of an idea. From 2014 to 2017 and into the present, uh, basically you've seen an increase of 10% annually and much more so in between 2007, 2014, 3%. And so basically we've seen since 2007 a 76% increase, for example, teens between 15 and 19. So, yeah. Uh, and the same thing, I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, well, the, yeah, the, you know, because here's the thing: the suicide rate, 24 to 27. Again, you've seen similar increases. You can look at the data here; it's like similar increases. And then, you know, so, and uh, and it's here's the here's the thing that I find fact. And again, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I would mean, Here's the thing I find interesting about all this because we've made, you know, like I say, you know, we've talked about the fact. That you know, scientifically speaking or medically speaking, you're more likely to be diagnosed in your early 20s. So that means you got a lot of teenagers. You know, second hot. You know, this is like one of the leading causes of death among teenagers. Right. And they're not necessarily getting diagnosed. Uh, well, because it's it's almost so, impossible to diagnose as a teen. As a teen, it's almost impossible because teens go through different emotions. Like until they they hurt, they hit like a certain level. Like. That's when you start. Yeah. That's why they say your onset's like twenty four, twenty five, because that's when like I feel like you really start to mature. And you know, if you're still having these feelings like you had at like fifteen, like most likely you have like a personality disorder, or you 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 know, whether it's bipolar, borderline, schizophrenia. Um, you know, and there's so much medication that they 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 will put you on to kind of like balance your mood. So like I'm, I'm on Paxil and I'm on um, I don't want to say lithium because it's not lithium, lamictal. Um, mm-hmm. And what I noticed, like the first two weeks that I started taking it, I was a mess. I was I was like sleeping all the time. I was you know I I didn't I didn't feel like myself. But it wasn't like a good like oh I'm getting better. This was just like I, I don't I don't feel like I'm in my own body. Like I almost had kind of an outer body experience. I would call it when I was on the mixel. Um, I eventually yeah. stopped taking it because it just it made me feel like I wasn't myself. If that if that makes any sense. Like I yeah, does. I know yes, I it does. But to me, I didn't feel like I was in my own body. Like I had an outer body experience while I was on this. Mm-hmm. So well, I yeah, think mean, to just yeah, act that, now. Yeah, that does make sense. That does make sense because that's one of the some of the side effects of that. So. Of uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me. Yeah, I mean, I'll get you the side effects of them right here in front of me. Uh, I mean, it's always been skin rash and all that, but uh, certainly uh, depression and suicidal thoughts are actually part of it. Yeah. Which is kind it's of weird of, if you think about it. It's like a mood stabilizer. Yeah. It's supposed to be the opposite of what yeah. it's saying. Well, like I say, it's one of those things you have to almost experiment. 
uh, to get that well, right you do. dosing or to get the right drug. That's why doctors, like, I know my psychiatrist will put me, like, on, like, like different kind of regimens until you find the one thing. But it's not going to, like, click overnight. Like, each medication takes at least two, three weeks for it to kick in. So when people tell me, like, oh, I started taking this and I feel great already, well, that's actually more likely your brain thinking that you're doing better um, because the reality is most medications won't kick in until at least three weeks. Like when it comes to like mood stabilizers. Yeah. Well, the other thing too. I mean, the other thing too is that it's important, especially with antidepressants. It takes about mm-hmm. four to six weeks before you get the full effect. Right. You don't really feel it. It's like, you don't. You know, it's, it's, you know. uh, and so, yeah. And so basically, that is. You know, and so that's what people have to understand is that, you know, four to six weeks. You know, before you really start feeling the impact of it. And so in between right. that time, it's maybe the question was, when you start a Paxil, because here's the, to me the interesting aspect would be, if it's going to take you four or six weeks, you know, you've got that mode or period where you're still not there, per se. Right. Patient on one side. And the other side is, you know, you know when do you declare a drug not working after four or six weeks? Or when do you say back, you know, you know, how often would a doctor say to you, you know, give me a couple of weeks? You know, it's just not quite there yet. Yeah, you know, did you go through that with like with Paxil? No, Paxil it worked great on me. Um, yeah. I I really started noticing a difference within a couple of weeks. Um, but the one thing I I had a problem I had problems with two medications, um, Vivancine and uh, Lamictal, like I said before. Which was kind of funny because I have a friend, a good friend of mine, he suffers from epilepsy. And so he actually had to be on Lamictal. Um, I forgot for what reason, but it, it had to do with like one of the medications with his, which, for his epilepsy. And he literally had basically the same outer body experience like I had. Because like we both mm-hmm. said, like it felt like we weren't, like we were like conscious. But it didn't yeah. feel like we were ourselves. Like it, it's really hard. It's very hard to explain. But it's basically a feeling like I could be walking and I, I literally, I don't feel like it's me that's walking. Yeah. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a, okay. The question I would throw back with, you know, with you on this is, obviously, how did you interact with your parents when, you know, you were going through all of this? Or how they interact with you and how did this all fit the, the family size, side of the equation? I mean, yeah, it's it was hard. It was really hard, but um, you know, because they're pretty old school. They're like, you know, I mean, they obviously know I have something, but um, it took to yeah. like I was in a breaking point where I was like in and out of like you know hospitals and stuff that they finally got the clue that you know, okay, well maybe this isn't yeah. just like someone acting out. This is yeah. like ongoing so I, I I talk to a lot of people that I know that have borderline um, through Facebook and the number one thing obviously is suicide they're you know they're all suicidal <laughs> but yeah. um, I've never luckily I've never had to be in a psych ward or been held for 72 hours um, so my case of borderline is actually mild it's not a full-blown 
girl interrupted crazy, you know, borderline. Mm-hmm. Mine's actually quite manageable, but there are days where, like, I can't do anything. You know, it's like yeah. you're always going to have that. And I guess my point is, is, like, you just kind of have to fight it, and it's really hard to. But um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't describe myself as someone who has a full blown borderline personality disorder, just based on the fact that I actually have not been committed, <laughs> and most I don't want to say most, but a lot of people who suffer borderline have been in and out of psychiatric wards for like since their teens. Mm-hmm. I just Tom Donaldson, Kokoskowski here on the Donaldson File. We're talking mental health tonight. Uh, have you got any comments or you want to participate, call 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. Tune in to You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Welcome back to the Donaldson Files. This is Tom Donaldson with Coco Kosky. And also, if Locker Talk with Barry Barnsbury is where you can hear about the NFL stars of tomorrow today. Listen to Barry every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com slash LA-Bachelor. And the podcast every day, 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with back-to-back episodes at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Interested in having your own show or advertising, email us at labachelor 40 at gmail.com. Again, welcome back. We're going to – here, let's uh, kind of change the subject a little bit uh, – Mm-hmm. Anxiety, anxiety disorder, and and, okay. and, there's a, and again, yeah, uh, there's several. And the thing with anxiety, it seems to me there's, if I'm looking at, it, there's like different version of it. Uh, let's start with like panic disorder. Uh, yes. And here's, I guess the question I would ask you is that you know. When you have friends, do you know anybody with, let's say, you know, anxiety disorder, and or uh, you know, dealt with panic? Oh, okay, me. go ahead. Um, I had, I also was diagnosed with like that. I had so many diagnoses, but um, I definitely I have general anxiety disorder (GAD), um, which basically it's like if I'm put into a situation like I'm not comfortable with, or you know. Um, stresses like like work or you know relationships um you know it can kind of hit you like out of the blue and then all of a sudden you have like a full-blown uh panic attack and panic attacks Mm -hmm. are like i don't have them much anymore because of the medication that i'm on like xanax and you know obviously paxil um so I'm I'm happy that I don't get them as much. But when when I started getting them, I, I want to say it was like four or five years ago. Um, I remember I was sitting down, and all of a sudden, like I just dropped everything, and like I felt myself gaining a panic attack. 
And I had found out later that it was a counteracted of my medication that caused that. Um, yeah. I was on, I was on Synthroid and I guess I was, I was also on something else at the time. I don't remember, but I guess they counteracted with one another and that caused me to have like these like panic attacks. So I immediately stopped and it's been better since. But um, one of the stressors I, I use to relieve it is I, I smoke pot. Um, that really, that has helped tremendously when it comes to anxiety. Like it's better than, you know, Xanax or Valium or anything else that they could ever give you, honestly. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. What are some of the symptoms that when you had it, what did you experience? Mm. Well, you feel like your chest is closing up. You feel kind of have to go into some sort of fetal position. I know that was me. Um, it felt like you feel really dizzy, you know. Um, the worst part, I think it was, was like the tightening of the chest. Like, it was like a struggle to, like, breathe. And it's like having an asthma attack, but, you know, it, it's not an asthma attack. Like, you know, the difference between it was like emotionally I couldn't breathe. Like physically I was breathing, but it was like emotionally I was like, I, I, I can't, I can't control this. And so they actually prescribed me Xanax and I hated it um, because it would, again, it, it's like, it, it really, it basically immobilizes you. So that's when I started smoking. Um, I would do the weed pens. And so I would just take like a puff of that or whatever. And I realized, like, it helped me kind of come down without, like, me feeling like I'm going to be, like, dependent on, like, these prescription pills. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you taking more or less of these drugs, as you, uh, let's say, in the case of Xanax, are you taking more or less now? Or are you still Yeah, I, 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 re- I don't even take Xanax anymore. Okay. So, basically, you're on Paxil mostly. Yeah, the only thing I'm on is a Paxil right now mm-hmm. okay well okay here's the other thing that comes into play is okay bipolar uh, and again there are different kinds of bipolar there's bipolar one which you have at least one manic episode that's preceded and followed by a major depressive disorder and the mania may break a reality uh and the other side of the equation, bipolar, you know, bipolar too. Like the uh, well, so you have a very severe. Bi- yeah, if I understand this correctly, bipolar you have- one, bipolar one is completely different than bipolar two. Bipolar two is like you are a risk to yourself and and others. It's not. It's something that you actually most people who have bipolar two, like, have spent a lot of time in psych wards. I know someone who was bipolar too, and they literally, like, their career ended because of it. Like, they literally had to be put away for, like, a good eight months because of how how severe it was. Because he had never been treated for it. Um, He never, um, he he wasn't taking any medication for it. And just one day, it just all exploded, and it it was nuts. I mean, I don't want to say that, but it was. And so he um, he stepped back from his career. And I honestly don't know what happened to him, but um, I, I just I just I just remember 
how I had found out that he was in a psych ward for a really long time. So I think the difference between bipolar one and bipolar two is bipolar one is like, it's, it's, it's manageable. You know, if you're on your lithium or you're on your antipsychotic or whatever medication you're on, like you can manage it. It's manageable, but I feel like, it's not as severe as if you were having bipolar too. It's completely different. Hmm. Okay, what's the difference between manic episode and hypomanic? Manic, um, you know, when you're manic, you're like, oh, I'm so happy. Like, literally nothing in the world is going to bring me down. It's like a euphora. It's like, it's like basically being on the best drug known to mankind and feeling like nothing can stop you. Um, the other one is a less manic episode. It's more of like, kind of like a flow chart type. So, you know, you'll be a little high here and there, like high, high, like uh, when I say high, I mean like, like feeling great. Like it's a high, but great feeling. Um, and then you're going to feel a little low, you know? Um, whereas manic, you are like, I've been manic. Um, It's like, oh, I'm going to clean the entire house and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do all these great things and nothing can stop me and blah, blah, blah. And then like something happens and within like a second, you're all of a sudden completely the opposite. So I think that's the difference between hypo and manic. So manic is much more strange. Would that be a better way? Oh my God, Tom, it's like, it's uh, manic is like eating at a five star restaurant versus hypo. You're like at a two or three. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how I would describe it. All right. Uh, okay. Here's the, okay. The question, the other, okay. Getting treated for this. Uh, right. Well, okay. You were diagnosed. Go ahead. There's a lot of treatments. Um, so I've done two of the therapies. Um, again, I, I find DBT is more, much more helpful for me. Um, there's also CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. So what that is, it's just talking about your feelings. Not, not really like, I mean, yeah, it's basically, it's, it's just, it's all, it's cognitive. Like we all have to take a cognitive test. And so cognitive therapy is, you know, being able to talk and understand what you're feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of therapies out there, and that's the thing of it. It's like not one therapy. You you can't buy someone who has borderline. You can't put them in a box. There's no box to be put in because everyone has a different experience on borderline. Like so, for someone to say so when when people ask me, well, what is borderline like? And I'm like, well, I can only talk about my experience because I can't box anybody else because there's there's a variety of different types of borderline. You know, there's the quiet borderline. There's the, you know, like me, like it's not full blown. There's the full blown borderline, which is like manipulative, narcissist, um, you know, self-harm. So for someone to like ask like, well, what's borderline like? There's no real, there's no real answer I can say except like what I feel because it, it, it would be impossible to box someone into that category. What about you? Do you see more psychologists or psychiatrists? Oh, um, 
well, I'm in therapy once a week, which I, I love doing. Um, yeah. I think psychiatrist is more for when they're trying to figure out for a mood stabilizer. Um, cause you will be put on a mood stabilizer. It's, it's much, it's for the better. Um, because yeah. I have gone through where I wouldn't, I thought I was doing so much better. And I was like, Oh, well, I don't need my medication. And then literally like the next day I become a raging bitch. Like I don't even want to deal with me. And that's the thing. It's, you know, you have to be on your medication. Like if you're not on your meds because you think you're feeling great, like, trust me, it's going to end. There's going to be a, there's going to be a moment. There's going to be, whether it's like, or a couple days or even like an hour, you know, from now where something's going to happen. Like it could be the most minor thing. Like, I don't know, like the lights aren't working or you misplaced something. And because you didn't take your, your, you know, your Paxil or you didn't take, you know, your mood stabilizer, like I'm telling you, like it could cause you to become suicidal at that moment. It really can. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, okay. So basically the psychiatrist is going to be the medication side of the equation. Right. Would you say the psychologist yeah, and the diagnosed you? Yeah. And the psychologists and the counselors are going to be the therapy side of the equation. Right. Right. How did you pick, or let's say, would you refer to a psychologist or counselor? How did that work? I, uh, well, I was referred to my, doc- my doctor. Um, I was referred to um, a lady who um, I see now, and she's fantastic. Um I think it's really important, like, if you have borderline, I'm talking for people who have it or they think they have it, you need to see a therapist that specializes in it. Because a therapist, you know, who specializes in just depression, like, they don't know the specifics of borderline. They're not going to know how to relate to you, which is what I found out. So it took me a few a few tries of therapy to find someone and I I was lucky enough to find someone that actually specializes in the disorder. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you have a headache and you go to a podiatrist, you know, yes, they're doctors, but they don't know anything in, in like, you know, you're not going to go for, to get, to get like your head kind of like your, your head, your migraines at a foot doctor. Like you're not going to do that. So why would you do that with therapy? Yeah. All right. I mean, so basically, yeah, Julie, you were kind of referred to. Yeah. I mean, they'll uh, definitely refer you. So, I mean, and you're just going to, yeah. you know, you have to fill out forms and so much fun. <laughs> Not yeah. really. Well, let me ask you a question. When you started seeing, did you find yourself, you know, have you ever had to switch or switch over? Because maybe personality wise, one individual didn't work as well as somebody else? Or have you just stayed with the, I'd be stuck with the one that you've been referred to. Yeah, well, I originally had a really amazing therapist, but, like, unfortunately, she um, basically went overseas. She took a job um, overseas. So then I was like, crap. So now I have to, and it sucks because it's like you trust this person, and it's, like, really hard to trust someone. And all of a sudden, like, they're going to leave, and blah, 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 fear of abandonment. That's, like, the number one borderline, you know, freakouts is the fear of being abandoned and so it's it's really hard it was really hard for me to go and find someone else I didn't originally want a female therapist because I find them to be a little judgy 
but um, I really enjoyed the one I was, like, set up with. Like, she really made me feel comfortable and wasn't, like, forcing me to come, like, see her. And um, it's been a good, like, eight months. Yeah. I just think you have to find the person you're comfortable with. Like, don't go to therapy and, like, you know, you're going to be, you're going to, you don't want to be matched with someone, like, you can trust or someone that, like, bothers you or who you think they're judging. I mean, there's so many different therapists now. There's, like, so many. So, um, yeah, I definitely would recommend someone that specializes in borderline versus someone who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait, let's kind of – so let's do a quick – we got about two or three minutes left. So why don't you go ahead and summarize about the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess last the- hour talking about borderline issues, uh, bipolar, um, you know, kind of like mental uh, disorders, Um you know, especially during COVID and, you know, we're being all locked up and, you know, <laughs> not locked up, but like, you know, you're in quarantine, you really can't go anywhere. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I found it's been, a, it's been harder than it was like in the last year or so. Um, and that's like why I made the decision to like go to therapy and all that. And I find yeah, that, that um, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, because a quick question came to me, so I'll just uh, ask you very quickly. Yeah. How often have you been doing this online versus face-to-face? Um, since, mm, like, March. For the past few. Yeah. March? Yeah. Which so I don't March, mind. Have you been I doing it? Basically, you're basically just doing a Zoom call with your therapist. It's not like I'm just texting her. It's like an actual Zoom call. So um, yeah. I actually uh, have you ever met her face to face? Because you said eight oh, nine yeah, months. Yeah, so yeah. it's absolutely because yeah, I didn't know whether or not you had a chance to uh, meet her face to face during COVID. All right, I'll tell you what. Uh, right. well, I'll tell you what. We got about thirty seconds left. So what I want to do is next week we <clears> keep tabs <throat> of where we're at. Uh, next Wednesday we're going to plan a Thanksgiving. Special program, more in that detail. Uh, listen mm-hmm. to the Donaldson at the Donaldson Files on Twitter for more information. And th- I want to thank Coco for sharing with us. And this is Tom Donaldson and Coco Konsky saying good night here on the Donaldson Files.